New year, new gear. Get to Old Navy Saturday. Women's Elevate compression leggings are just 12 bucks, just 10 bucks for girls. Plus, men's active pants are 12 bucks, just 10 bucks for boys. Saturday only at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1-4, select styles only. This episode is brought to you by Podbean. Are you looking to start your own podcast? Podbean is an easy and powerful way to start podcasting. We give you all of the tools you need for a successful podcast, and there's no difficult technology to learn. Sign up today for a free Podbean account at www.podbean.com. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com. When I started doing research for today's episode, I realized it involved a conspiracy aspect. So I texted my youngest sister and started asking her if she believed in conspiracy theories. We talked for a little bit about theories that we personally believed in and others that we thought were way too ridiculous to be true. We talked about the Illuminati, possible government corruption and cover-ups, and whether Avril Lavigne had really been replaced by a clone at some point during her career. In all seriousness, conspiracy theories have been around for a long time, but they are more highly publicized now thanks to the internet, more specifically message boards and social media. Today's case involves a disappearance that was highly believed to have a conspiracy attached to it. In 2018, 35-year-old CDC scientist Timothy Cunningham left work early one day, only to never be seen alive again. It didn't take long before the internet started going into a frenzy, theorizing about what could have happened to him. Even after major news broke two months after his disappearance, people were still convinced that something suspicious had happened to Timothy. Hi, I'm your host Gigi, and this is Noir True Crime Files. Timothy J. Cunningham was born on December 21, 1982, in Montgomery, Alabama, to Terrell and Tijuana Cunningham. Timothy had an older brother named Ontario and a younger sister named Tiana, who he was extremely close to. From the ages of three to five years old, Timothy and his family lived in the Philippines while his parents were serving in the military. Terrell worked as an Air Force nurse, while Tia worked for the State Health Department as a program manager. When the family eventually relocated back to the U.S., they settled in Maryland. After Timothy graduated from high school, he went on to attend Morehouse College for his undergraduate degree and later received his master's and doctorate degrees in science from Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health. 
Timothy worked as an undergraduate professor before accepting a position with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in 2010. Founded in 1946, the CDC is a national public health agency that works to protect against disease, injury, and disability in the United States. Timothy worked as an epidemiologist and focused primarily on health disparities in relation to race, socioeconomic status, gender, and geography in his research. His exact job title was an Epidemic Intelligence Service Officer, and in this role, Timothy would travel to public health areas that had been affected by Hurricane Sandy, the Ebola outbreak, and the Zika virus. Serving under the Commission Corps of the U.S. Public Health Service, Timothy worked his way up to a team lead position with the Epidemiology and Surveillance Branch. Over the course of his 16-year career, Timothy co-authored over 20 publications on subjects like sleep deprivation and pulmonary disease and how these issues affected minorities. Timothy was well-respected in the community and was known to volunteer at several organizations in the Atlanta area. He was a member of the LEAD Atlanta class of 2014, an intensive leadership development and community education program for young professionals. In July 2017, Timothy was promoted to commander and later that year in November was listed on the Atlanta Business Chronicles 40 under 40 list along with nine other individuals. Even with all of his professional accomplishments, things suddenly changed for Timothy in February 2018. It was during this time that his father Terrell explained that Timothy was experiencing personal and professional issues. The professional issue that Terrell was referring to was the fact that Timothy had recently been passed over for a promotion. Timothy had applied to a director's position at work in hopes of being relocated to Washington, D.C. so he could be closer to his parents. Fortunately, on February 8th, Timothy learned that he had not been selected to receive the promotion. The next day, Timothy was rejected by someone he had romantic feelings for. It is widely speculated that Timothy was gay, but that has never been officially confirmed. According to his friend, Nell Reed, Timothy had bumped into his alleged love interest on a date with a woman on February 9th. According to Reed, because they ran in the same social circles, Timothy avoided making a scene by simply shaking the man's hand and continuing on with his evening. Timothy allegedly asked the love interest to breakfast the next morning, but the man declined. In different reports, the love interest is said to be a woman that Timothy went on a date with who turned him down after he asked her out to breakfast. His sister Tiana would later tell police that her brother was interested in two women at work and was slowly working himself back up to dating again. Regardless of how Timothy identified sexually, it's clear that he had been hurt by someone he had feelings for and it had a great effect on him. On February 11th, Timothy spoke with his father over the phone and later his sister Tiana. According to Terrell, he and Timothy had gotten into a bit of an argument. Timothy had accused his father of being controlling, but Terrell said that Timothy seemed confused and paranoid during their conversation. When Timothy spoke with Tiana, she said Timothy didn't sound like himself at all. 
Timothy mentioned to Tiana that he was going to purchase crystals later that day, but the next morning when they spoke around 7 a.m., he seemed to not remember their conversation. When Tiana asked him about the crystals, he became suspicious and asked, Who told you that? Later that morning, Timothy met with his boss and they discussed why he did not receive the promotion he had applied for. Sometime after this conversation, Timothy informed his boss and his co-workers that he wasn't feeling well and was going home for the rest of the day. On February 13th, neither Terrell nor Tia were able to get a hold of Timothy, so they decided to drive from their home in Waldorf, Maryland, down to Timothy's home in Atlanta. The Cunninghams arrived to Atlanta on February 14th and let themselves into their son's home using a spare key he had given them. Inside the home, Terrell and Tia found Timothy's wallet, his cell phone, and his car keys. His SUV was still in his garage, and his, his puppy, Mr. Bojangles, was also left alone in the home unattended. They noticed that two windows were open and that some of Timothy's clothes were in the garbage bin outside. The Cunninghams called the police a short time later and reported their son missing. When detectives arrived to Timothy's home, they found that Terrell and Tia had cleaned up around the house. The carpets had been freshly vacuumed, Timothy's clothes had been washed and folded, and his bed as well as the bed in the guest room had been made. I believe the Cunninghams had good intentions when they did this, but any potential clues or leads that could have been found in the home were now compromised. When they interviewed with police, the Cunninghams explained that Timothy had been dealing with personal and professional issues and that he had not been acting like himself the last few days. They told police about finding Timothy's belongings inside the home and how it looked like someone had slept in the guest bedroom. They also shared that Timothy had not been diagnosed with depression, but that he had mood swings. Since Timothy's house had been cleaned, detectives did their best to search around the surrounding areas for him. Using police dogs, they looked for clues in the wooded area behind Timothy's house, but didn't find anything. Timothy's family and friends gathered together to distribute missing flyers and also spoke to news outlets about Timothy, asking the public for his safe return. Atlanta Crime Stoppers partnered with the Cunningham family to announce a $10,000 reward for anyone who had information regarding Timothy's disappearance or whereabouts. Soon after this announcement, police began receiving random calls from all over the country. They even got a call from a woman in Hawaii who claimed that she believed her new next-door neighbor was Timothy. Almost three weeks later, after Timothy had gone missing, Terrell and Tia did an interview with HLN where they discussed Timothy's case. Terrell described the search for Timothy as a painful journey and something that parents don't prepare themselves for. Terrell told HLN that during the course of the investigation that police had recovered the bodies of four black men, but none of them were Timothy. 
Terrell described how agonizing it was to sit and wait to hear whether or not Timothy was among the men who had been found and gave his condolences to the men's families. Tia explained that she had received a call from Timothy the Sunday afternoon before he went missing. Their conversation was light, but Tia said that Timothy seemed fine and that he was in good spirits. Tia said she received a text from Timothy at 5.21 a.m. asking if she was awake, but she didn't get a chance to respond. News of a CDC researcher and scientist going missing sparked online conversations and debates and conspiracy theories began running wild. Some people felt that Timothy's disappearance had something to do with the type of research he did at the CDC. Rumors started that Timothy had stolen a virus and had left town or had been killed. Rumors intensified when Timothy's next-door neighbor, Viviana Torrey, gave an interview to CBS this morning. In the interview, she claimed that Timothy had told her husband that she should delete his phone number out of her phone. Did Timothy tell Viviana's husband this because he knew something bad was about to happen? Many suspect Timothy may have been trying to protect Viviana by making that request to her husband. I found two popular theories during my, during my research of this case, and they both involve whistleblowing. Whistleblowing is when someone reveals damaging information that can be illegal, unethical, or incorrect against a public or private institution. The first theory is that Timothy disappeared before exposing what he knew about disease X. Every year, the World Health Organization holds an annual meeting where they go over the research and development blueprint for the year. This blueprint is a global strategy and preparedness plan that lists priority diseases and how the organization plans to test, treat, and research each one. Among the listed diseases for the year were Zika, Ebola, and Disease X. Several articles claimed that Disease X had the potential to wipe out millions of people and that the potential outbreaks were manifestations of radical feminism. Essentially, Disease X would infect someone, permanently modifying their DNA, and cause changes in their mating and maternal behavior. In actuality, Disease X represents the knowledge that a seriously international epidemic could be caused by a pathogen unknown to cause human disease. By listing Disease X, the World Health Organization was simply preparing for a hypothetical disease that may cause an epidemic and were trying to be forward-thinking in their approach to all diseases and not just the ones they knew to exist currently. The second theory was that Timothy was going around telling people that he was concerned about the 2008 flu shot. A news source called News Punch claimed that an anonymous CDC doctor told them how he feared the recent flu shot was behind a deadly outbreak. The doctor claimed that he feared having his name attached to the story because it would cause him to lose his job or worse. 
After Timothy went missing, News Punch, which is known, which was known as Your News Wire at the time of this alleged interview, confirmed that the doctor they spoke with was Timothy and that he had given them his blessing to publish his name in the article if anything happened to him. News Punch is actually a clickbait news website based out of Los Angeles, California, that is known for fabricating news stories about flu shots, among other controversial topics. In 2017, BuzzFeed reported that, they, that News Punch was the second largest source of fake news articles circulating on Facebook. And between 2017 to 2018, News Punch's stories were debunked by fact checker websites over 80 times. Atlanta news station WXIA shot down the article saying that News Punch's story was, quote, hollow of credible sources and verified facts, end quote, and also included several false statements throughout the interview. The author of the article, Baxter Dimitri, has also written articles with the titles, I Killed Princess Diana and I Killed Bob Marley. I think it's fair to say that News Punch took the unfortunate opportunity to make up a story about Timothy so that they could get attention. Fortunately, the article was removed from News Punch's website and there doesn't seem to be any trace of the website anywhere else on the internet. On February 27th, Major Michael O'Connor of the Atlanta Police Department held a press conference to give updates on Timothy's case. Major O'Connor gave a breakdown of the last few hours that Timothy was accounted for, how he went to work, left early, and went home. O'Connor went over Timothy's last communications with his family and friends and how the Cunninghams had lost contact with Timothy. The Atlanta police conducted a thorough search of Timothy's home, internet browser history, the call logs of his government-issued cell phone, and checked the bank statements of his work-issued credit card and found nothing. They also searched local jails and hospitals, but were still unable to find Timothy. O'Connor confirmed that the Atlanta police did not believe that Timothy's disappearance had anything to do with his missed promotion at work. When he was asked about Timothy's conversation with his neighbor, Major, Major O'Connor acknowledged that Atlanta police were aware of the conversation, but did not know any other specifics of what else was said. In regards to the conspiracy theories that were going around, Major O'Connor explained that there was no reason to believe that there was a conspiracy behind Timothy's disappearance. It's important to note that Timothy's work at the agency involved diseases that were chronic, not infectious. He had no access to classified information and Major O'Connor stated that there was no reason to believe based on that information that Timothy's disappearance had anything to do with his employment at the CDC. Regardless of what the police were telling the public, people still thought that Timothy's disappearance was suspicious and that his connection to the CDC was involved. Officials from the CDC released a separate statement and claimed that Timothy had not been passed up for a promotion and mentioned the promotion he received the summer before when he was promoted to commander. Many people, including myself, thought it was weird that the CDC told the police in a direct statement that Timothy had been turned down for a promotion, but a month later claimed that Timothy had already been promoted months before. Whatever their reasons for the conflicting statements, the CDC never followed up or clarified with the media. 
On April 3, 2018, two fishermen found a body on the banks of the Chattahoochee River. After calling for help, police, as well as the fire department's swift water rescue team, arrived to retrieve the body. The body had been found in an extremely muddy area and was not near a part of the river that was attached to a trail or any sort of walkable surface. Two days later, during a press conference, Chief Medical Examiner for Fulton County, Dr. Jan Gorniak, confirmed that the body that had been recovered was Timothy Cunningham and that he had been identified using dental records. Based on her findings, Dr. Gorniak revealed that Timothy's preliminary cause of death was drowning, but that the investigation into his disappearance would remain open for the next six weeks, and they would eventually determine whether he drowned accidentally. Dr. Gorniak explained that the condition of Timothy's body was consistent with him having died on the last day he was seen, February 12th, but that there was no signs of trauma. Marijuana was found in Timothy's system, but it did not contribute to his death. Sergeant Cortex Stafford of the fire department spoke during the press conference and confirmed that back in February, police had conducted a search of the same area where Timothy's body had been found, but that there had been no signs or indication of a body being there. Major O'Connor also spoke during the press conference and said police had no reason to suspect that foul play was involved in Timothy's death. Timothy was discovered a few miles from his home, but they were unsure of how he got to the river. Timothy's body was laying face up and he had his favorite pair of jogging sneakers on his feet. Police found three crystals in Timothy's pocket, which are most likely the crystals he told his sister he was planning on purchasing. There was no indication that his body had been weighed down in order for him to stay below the surface of the water, but the medical examiner's office maintained that Timothy had indeed drowned. Death by drowning occurs rather quickly, and the body instantly panics once it recognizes that it isn't receiving oxygen. A person who unintentionally drowns can do so in about three minutes. Unless they are weighed down by something, it is said to be almost impossible for someone to drown themselves. On April 21st, over 600 people attended Timothy's memorial service, which was held at Morehouse College. Loved ones shared fond memories of Timothy and also spoke about his love and dedication for giving back to the city of Atlanta. A year after Timothy's death, his parents established an endowment in his name at the Atlanta First United Methodist Church, which would go towards the homeless ministry. The CDC also published a collection of his journals in his memory. On May 21, 2018, the official cause of Timothy's death was revealed to be suicide by drowning. According to a study done by the CDC on U.S. methods of suicide in 2012, suicide by firearms, suffocation, and poisoning were the most success successful methods. Drowning had a low percentage causing less than 3,000 deaths that year. Men made up 78% of all suicides, with firearms being the most popular option. Between 2005 to 2009, the drowning rates of African Americans compared to white people were significantly higher across all ages. At the conclusion of Timothy's investigation on June 5th, Atlanta police released a 600-page case file containing financial records, 
text messages, and interviews with families and friends. The case file gave an exact breakdown of the last few days of Timothy's life. On February 7th, Timothy resigned from the Rapid Deployment Force. His commander said that he sounded exasperated when they spoke. On February 8th, Timothy's promotion was denied. On February 9th, Timothy had called out sick from work, but later that evening went out to a bar where he bumped into his romantic interest. February 10th, Timothy asked his romantic interest to brunch and they declined. Later that day, Timothy is seen on surveillance footage at a local Publix grocery store and withdraws $200 from the ATM. He uses the cash to purchase items, and at the register on the surveillance video, he can be seen smiling at the cashier. On February 11th, Timothy speaks to his father and his sister over the phone. On February 12th, Timothy blocks one of his USAA online bank accounts at 3.11 a.m. Later that morning, he speaks to his sister over the phone again and then goes into work and meets with his boss about his denied promotion. By midday, Timothy is leaving work, claiming to be ill. I have to say, this case was definitely tough to research. Not only was there an overwhelming amount of information, but digging into the conspiracy theories was definitely very interesting to say the least. In my personal opinion, I believe based on the research and the evidence that was presented that Timothy most likely committed suicide. It is super strange that he was found face up with no evidence of anything holding him down in the water. I also found it strange that when police initially conducted their search of the area where he was found that they didn't find anything. I'm not at all implying that mood swings are indicative of a suicidal person, but his behavior leading up to his disappearance had been very odd. The concerning text messages that his parents and sister received were never really elaborated on, leading me to believe that he may have been saying certain things that the family didn't want to be shared. Perhaps Timothy had some sort of mental breakdown because of everything that was going on and decided to end his life. Besides the romantic rejection, it is fair to assume that the denial of a promotion could have driven Timothy to suicide because he was dealing with one disappointment after another. Although the case is closed, there are still people who believe that Timothy was a victim of foul play. So what do you think? Was Timothy's disappearance and death a part of some sort of conspiracy, or was this a case of a potentially mentally ill man that made the tragic decision to end his life? Follow me on Twitter or Instagram at NTCF Podcast and let me know what you think about this case. NTCF Podcast is available on all major streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Thanks so much for joining me on this week's episode. I'll be on vacation next week, but I'll be back in two weeks with a new crime file. Until then, goodbye for now.
This episode is brought to you by Podbean Live. Podbean Livestream is a unique platform for turning your podcast production into a live show. It's open to any podcast or on any hosting site. Easily invite multiple co-hosts and guests to join your live stream. Earn money from live show ticket sales and get listener rewards and engage your audience in new and exciting ways. Ready to get started? Sign up today at www.podbean.com slash live. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash live. 